0: and welcome to another episode of the woods water mizzou podcast i'm one of your co-hosts skeeter and along with me tonight as always case and cole how y'all doing
1: good doing good i'm back
0: yeah welcome back uh we're recording this fresh off our mizzou tigers basketball going into wichita kansas and shocking the Shockers, we are now eight uh, zero on the year. Final score of eighty eight to eighty four in overtime. Initial reaction, guys.
2: A lot of ups and downs. Uh, there was parts in the game in the first half where I thought we were going to walk off for an easy win, and there were parts in the second half where I was frustrated stomping around the house because I thought we just blown the game. So you love to see the you love to see the resiliency out of those guys.
1: Yeah, I uh, I didn't realize that I was able to stream the game on my Hulu account uh, until two minutes left in regulation. And so (laughs) all I was able to catch was the last two minutes and overtime, which is honestly the best part of the game to watch. So from what I saw there, um, I'll just kind of, I guess, summarize it with last year's team doesn't win that game. In my opinion, plain and simple, last year's team does not win that game. No.
2: No, yeah. Yeah. The way we get like, down the court
1: now, we couldn't have made back those points. Yeah, so, like following yeah. the following 12-0 the run mm-hmm. from what we were you down, 65-56 or whatever. Yeah.
2: That would have that,
1: that uh, sunk. sunk us last year. Yeah, that conzo led team just lays
0: over in that instance. Yeah. And we Coach Martin's still yet to call a timeout in that situation.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. really. <laughs> exactly. It gets to the point now where I'm watching a Mizzou game and I'm like, Coach Gates, like, why are you calling a timeout? I'm like, oh, yeah, because we have, you know, what, seven or five to use per half? Like, he, he uses them. He uses his timeouts appropriately, yeah. so you're not saving them with three, you know, three timeouts with 30 seconds left in the game, so.
0: Well, the, the trend continues that regardless of who our opponent is, it, they seem to have uh really good night shooting, and it's not just getting killed down low. Like, uh, just sitting here looking at the stats, they shot forty-one percent from three-point to where we only shot twenty-one percent. So, uh, you know the, the defense leaves a little bit to be desired. But hey, for first test on the road, and Wichita State is not just somewhere you can go in as a as a power five school and just expect to come out with a win. It's it's definitely a hell of a game.
1: No. And, uh, And I don't think they even, I mean, I don't know what the final uh, attendance numbers were there, but I'd be, I'd be shocked if it was 10,000. But, you know, it was a a road, true road environment. Um, I did find out actually this week that typically, you guys know I work at the airport, so we deal a lot with Mizzou Athletics. Um, And I was talking to our charter coordinator out at the airport and I was like, hey, when, when are the guys flying out to Wichita? And she's like, they're driving. They're taking a bus, (laughs) so whoa! um, Yeah, they drove a bus to Wichita apparently. So why? I have no idea. I'm
0: no idea. Mike Kelly was talking about that on on the radio broadcast, and he's like, I'm not sure who the color analyst is on on the basketball side of things, but Mike's like, well, if we if we end up getting this win, it's going to make it a way more enjoyable five hour. Ride back to Como with you, and they said we, it'll make the drive for the players even better. And they said, "Oh, that the, they have a driver; they'll probably be asleep before they get back to Columbia." Yeah,
1: they like, they won't even <laughs> make
0: it to Kansas City, and yeah. they'll be asleep. I bet.
1: But I uh, want to shout out! I I want to shout out our boy uh, Noah Carter, man. 20, yeah, uh, friend of the cast. Right. Uh Twenty. What was it? Twenty and eight, right? Twenty points, eight boards. Yeah, and some I believe three goes so. towards the end. Yeah, couple clutch, Super couple clutch, clutch shots at the end. Man, that uh, I'm not gonna lie to that foul in the three point. I don't think it was near as severe as it looked, but it just kind of momentum carried him in to uh, yeah. they trying to block the shot. So,
2: I mean he he just made a excuse me he had just made a play out before that he was amped up.
1: I'm I don't know you're not gonna not guard the guy right right right. <laughs> <Yeah>. I, <laughs> I would him. rather I would rather see that see that emotion than see something that's. You know, let him have a free shot without a without a hand in his face, definitely, and
2: you know what uh, that we saw when he shot he missed, but he only made two to three, so it wasn't the worst case scenario
0: right well the the other game this week in basketball since our last pod was uh Houston Baptist, correct? yeah, yeah, uh, so Tigers go two, and I still undefeated on the year overall, uh still growing. Uh The reports tonight were that I saw online that Mosley was sick Uh is why he didn't get to play.
2: Yeah, I've seen so, that. So,
0: I, I don't feel our best team was out there tonight, but still got the win.
2: No, and then Kobe uh, lost Smith as well due to foul trouble.
1: Yeah, he had yeah. early foul trouble. That probably, yeah,
2: that's probably – yeah, that's probably our two best players.
1: Yeah, I'd say – I mean, except if you look at the points, I mean – Des Moines has been leading us in scoring pretty much every as not except for tonight. Yeah. majority of the games we played, he's been our leading scorer.
0: Uh, there's, we're getting into the meat of the schedule now, so you're, you're not going to be getting these uh, Penn and Houston Baptist and schools like that, so each and every game is going to just amp up uh, with the energy and and the excitement around it and also the pressure for the players to make the play. So
1: yeah, Skeeter, do you have a great time? uh, Do you have our schedule up in front of you? I know we play SEMO, SEMO next at home. And then we, of course, host KU and then I believe we go on that tournament, don't we? Yeah. It's
0: showing Southeast Missouri Sunday on December 4th. And then we have six days off. We don't, we don't have a midweek game next week. Uh, and then some Bluebirds from State Out West uh, comes to play on the 10th. And then it's a full week. Uh, and it's showing UCF with an asterisk beside it. And I think that is a tournament game. Yeah, I believe. Yeah,
2: so we play UCF. Uh, it says, it's them and I think it should be a two-game uh, tournament, though.
0: It, it's showing UCF and Illinois both with yeah. asterisks beside them, but wouldn't Illinois be
2: that's in Saint St. Louis? Yeah, that's yeah. our neutral site game.
0: So so after UCF would probably be depending on if we win yeah. or lose and then the I other meant, team in the tournament.
2: Usually it says TBD. I'm not going to say it's because of UR, I think, but for no reason it just says UCF and nothing. But yeah, there'll be a second game in that tournament, the, the Orange Bowl tournament.
0: Yeah. But You'll have anything else you want to speak on on basketball? I, I know we're going to transition to it here probably pretty heavy in the, in the coming weeks, but uh, I'm ready to talk some football if y'all are. Yeah, sure. Well, just going back online and, and reading a uh, couple of articles, and I just I just want to read these two things out to y'all. Uh, it was off the Saturday Down South uh, staff writer's. And Matthew Postons said, Missouri has probably been the most all-over-the-map team in the SEC this year. If the Tigers had a more consistent offense, they would already be bowl-eligible, and Georgia might have a loss. Arkansas comes in on a high of beating Ole Miss and reaching bowl eligibility. Missouri needs to win to get a bowl win. I think the Tigers are getting the Razorbacks at the wrong time. Arkansas 34, Missouri 24. Cole Thompson a win for the Tigers makes them bowl eligible. A win for the Hogs keeps a battle line tra- trophy in Fayetteville. After last week's dominant win over Ole Miss, Arkansas has its spark back on offense. Arkansas defensive coordinator Barry Odom g- gets revenge on his former program with three picks and perhaps turns himself into one of the top head coaching candidates on the market, Arkansas 45, Missouri 20. Now, I do have to give Connor Zimmerle, was the one of the three, that uh, said Mizzou has more to play for Missouri 38 Arkansas 35 but I was just reading those two articles those two little tidbits there and you know oh Barry Odom gonna get those three turnovers and shut us down and be the hot coaching candidate that was not the way it went
2: I feel like those folks don't know anything about Barry Odom because I watched Barry Odom the teams and there was never any fire for anything like that ever
1: well, that's exactly that's exactly what I was just gonna to say. I you know watched that game um, and i I saw the mizzou led bariotum teams. I saw some of those same tendencies in that same like not attitude, but the just the way they carry themselves, just kind of like ho humming around, just kind of mm-hmm. jogging back to the ball. like it didn't seem like they didn't seem confident. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know what these analysts are watching. I don't know if they're just like, you know, looking at the stat sheet or if they're actually watching the game or, you know, paying attention to, you know, like players' uh, body language. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. We, we watch Period and Mud teams. So I don't know what they're, (laughs) I don't know what they're getting at.
0: It's, It's the media and, their persona that surrounds Mizzou and how they refuse to acknowledge anything that we do, 13 and 14, we win the East back-to-back years. And, of course, it is just absolute trash years for the East. And we're only lucky that we were in contention to win it because everybody, you know, all, all other six programs in the East were just having such shit years mm. that if it would have been an average year, Missouri would have been toward – the middle or the back, where we belong. Yep. Nope. But yep. anyways, talking on that game, Mizzou wins 29-27 uh, to get to 6-6 six and six on the year, finish 3-5 uh, and five in conference. Uh, speaking of that Barry Odom-led defense there, uh, they gave up 468 yards to our Missouri Tigers. We finished with 242 passing and 226 rushing. And I've got to give credit where credit's due because Brady Cook uh, just steadily improved here the last couple of weeks. Uh, I felt it, his reads as far as when to run were better, and it may have been called runs, but he actually sold off like he's trying to pass at first, but uh, he he made a lot better decisions and, and kept drives alive and moving, and so Thank you, Brady Cook. Uh, still, I do hold you accountable for some of the games that we could have shown earlier this year. but
1: I mean, rightfully so, and I'm sure he does as play. I'm sure he does as well. I- I'll say this. The past couple games we watched, and yes, it was against uh, New Mexico State and Arkansas, but even in Tennessee, like, he reminds me – so, I guess – A little bit of background about myself. I played quarterback in high school, and we ran a very heavy – we ran the wing tee. So we were run, run, run. If we got a pass play, I was, like, so excited. I was like, oh, my God, I actually get to throw the ball. Um, But his, his style of play those last three games remind me a lot of my head coach telling me, if you have 10 yards of green grass, take it. Don't sit there and scan and try and find a you know, person to get the ball to, to where, you know, 50-50 ball or anything like that. If you get 10 yards, take it. And that's, I feel like that's exactly what, you know, maybe Brady Cook was told. Like, if you, if you have an opportunity to gain positive yardage and get down safely, take it.
0: Absolutely. And I think Brady's biggest throw of the year was on that third and four late in the game. Uh, I think they were expecting us to run. I was expecting us to run, you know, drink to play it safe. And he called a pass play, and Makai Miller uh, made a great catch and Phenomenal good yak catch. after the catch. Phenomenal yeah.
2: catch. You no, know, Makai Miller is going to be a big player for us
0: moving he forward, is. I think. He is. He is. He is. Uh, it's obviously kind of sad now, a uh, few days removed from the game, because we're seeing names pop up that, it was their last game as Mizzou Tigers. It it appears, and uh, Sunday we'll find out our bowl destination. It they're all over the place right now. I don't I don't know that anybody actually has a good idea of what bowl no. we're getting.
2: All I've all I've heard so far is that uh, Drink and Desiree and the team went to Vegas Bowl, but it sounds like we're being pursued more by Liberty Bowl.
0: Well, I'm sure the SEC will go all out to roll the carpet out for us and get us where we want to go.
1: <laughs> Honestly, I'd, I'd say either one. You know, if, we, if I think the general consensus, I'd agree, is either Vegas or Liberty. Either way, it's a win-win. If it's Liberty, it's a close bowl. It's as a – like it may be against KU. Um, it's a bowl that we could, we could easily travel to. I think that is the game, though, that people are concerned about being – on the same night as the Mizzou, Kentucky, Kentucky, yeah, basketball game. Um, But if that's the only negative, you know, then so be it. Now the Vegas Bowl, of course, get to go to Vegas. Um, Obviously the, you know, the coaches' families and basically they take just about everybody out there from what I saw last year. They took two 737s just chock full of people out to uh, – down to Dallas. Uh, Fort Worth, though. That's – that nearest fun trip was Vegas. Right. And so, yeah, Vegas is, I mean, Vegas is Vegas. So, and it would give us an a, uh, an opportunity, an opponent that we would likely not get except for the, you know, in 2029 20, or out of conference game is going to be against, you know, BYU or, you know, some random team out West. So that would be another positive. Um, but I guess a negative would be that it is, can't, can't really drive to Vegas. I mean, I guess you could with enough notice, but
2: these flights the to vegas out.
1: are very cheap though yes. i was i was looking because i'm not gonna go but i was
2: curious and uh like speedy and i think round trip with a rental you can do it for uh like 300 bucks a person
1: holy cow that's that's really not bad you yeah, just got to oh. find a place to stay that, that would include a hotel oh wow okay yeah, that's dirty yeah. who's it on spirit it was spirit on spirit Islands? it was on yeah. spirit
2: so yeah, most people would upgrade from that. I was just like, what's the most cheapest you can get out there? And it's, it, I can't remember. It was it was not one of the nicest uh strip hotels, but it was, you know, fine.
0: Yeah. Well, I I've also seen projections that have us in the Texas Bowl again. I hope not. Uh Birmingham Bowl and also Music City Bowl. So uh there's there's a bunch of ideas being thrown out there, but the the two most common, as you said, case, are uh, Liberty and Vegas Bowl.
2: I kind of selfishly hope it's the Vegas Bowl because on a Saturday night, and that means I won't have any work stuff. I can like you know kind of have my day around it, you know, relax. Yeah. I don't know. It's that's that's a silly thing. It was like, man, I kind of the idea of just getting the whole day to kind of just relax into it and not go off work and get the kid fed and do chores and then watch the game.
0: Sunday we will know for sure, and uh, I'm sure we'll have. A lot of opinions on where we go and who we're playing.
1: Yeah, Most definitely, it'd be exciting to see. I bet, I bet the Texas Bowl. I bet they take somebody like Arkansas or Kentucky. They take somebody different than than they would normally. They wouldn't normally take. You know what I mean? Give them a different, uh, different SEC opponent against a. But Texas Bowl would be a Big Twelve opponent, right? Correct. It'd yeah, be Big Twelve, yeah, SEC. you yeah. say so. Yeah, it'd be a good matchup, but yeah, i I'd, I'd like to see. Either Vegas or Liberty. Ideally, really, I'd like to see the Music City Bowl. Um, that'd be fun to to go to Nashville, Nashville, on New Year's Eve. I feel like they're still mad at us for twenty twenty. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, man, so it was a friggin' pandemic. You can't do anything about that.
2: No, I I agree, but like, I don't know. I just feel like they're upset with us for that still. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but do we want to touch on the sub? I, I me myself, I would like to touch on the subject of Transport portal. And the absolute shit show that the NCA has created uh, with the transport portal, it, I don't think it's so much the NIL deal as I, I don't feel teams should be allowed to talk to players until bowl season is completed uh, because the student athletes are signed on for, if their scholarship is good, it, it should be for that semester. And, any games that fall in that semester. Uh, and obviously the big name coming out of Mizzou right now is Dominic Lovett. And where would we have been on offense this year without number seven out there?
1: Uh-huh.
0: would be in a rough uh, spot, in a rough spot.
1: We wouldn't be talking about a bowl. I guarantee you that. Yeah.
0: It, I, I seen an, a deal today that said, uh, drinks, uh, told somebody that other schools had already been calling players up to two weeks ago. And man, that is just so wrong. Like that that should not be allowed, but it, it's what today's college football is. It is a free for all. Noah Holes Bar, Dog Eat, Dog World. And us as fans just have to accept it and the loyalty, you know, you get attached to these these players uh I mean I, I don't have anything bad to say about Love It. I don't blame Love It. He's a nineteen, twenty year old kid. And if he's getting, you know, six, seven figures of money thrown at him, well, hell yeah, who's not gonna take that? <laughs> you know, I'm I'm yeah. thirty-five years old and would probably pack my family up and move halfway across the country for six or seven figures. Yeah. But uh you know, it I I feel it it makes me more love the name on the front of the Jersey than the name on the back of the Jersey. Does that make sense? It's, it does. It, yeah.
2: It flips over so much that now instead of attaching to players, you're only get attached to attach to the team. It yes. is. And,
1: and obviously we're biased. You know, you, mm-hmm. you mentioned that we're, it's about the name on the front, not the name on the back. I mean, we're Mizzou fans. This is a Mizzou podcast. So of course, you know, we, we feel that way. And we have, um, you know, we have those those feelings when a, a player that not only has performed well in the season, but, you know, kind of sky's the limit, um, really felt like he was starting to hit his stride within the offense, no pun intended. But, um, yeah, it's it's frustrating. But it, at the same time, to, to go back to you talking about, you know, getting calls, I I don't I don't think that I mean, that's tampering. So I don't, I don't think that's allowed during the season. Am I right? No, it's
2: not allowed,
1: yeah. Yeah, so – and and we all know. We all know it's happening. Um, yes. Drink talked about that in the beginning, in, in the preseason stuff, so.
0: I hope there's zoo coaches that were calling players two three weeks ago if our players are getting calls, like, well, you got to I mean, get ahead of this or you're going to get behind.
1: Definitely. Well, if we do, then yeah. it'll be us that gets in trouble for it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, really. <laughs> other schools aren't going to get in trouble for it. We will.
0: But the, the thing on the transport portal that we just have to think about, you know, like, Look at how fast it turned our defense around this year. You know, like, yes, we're going to lose some players, but we can also use it to our advantage. Uh, and I still trust Drink and the coaching staff to have their vision. Uh, you saw the vision play out on the field this year, where kind of what what they're trying to do and get done. And and I don't I don't know about y'all, but I feel like we're getting there.
1: Yeah, I do. I do. I'd agree. It's just, I don't know. It's going to get real crazy. Um, So buckle up.
2: I guess I I agree. And Mike, my only fear is that, I mean, I I should say this, we don't know who we're going to all we're going to lose yet, but um, what steps back do we take installing the culture? Because transfers are are great, but you know, they're not usually people who have been a part of the team or like know the coach. And so, I guess I, I fear that we could take steps back there. But in all fairness, that comes from a point of view where the only way I've known Mizzou to win is the Gary Pinkle style, which has been get these guys in, get them in the system, uh, get them, you know, uh, where they live, you know, I guess the system. And then we win that way. So, I just, uh, yeah, I, I hope we haven't lost any progress on that front.
0: Well, I mean, you, you think about defense going into the year, we're like, man, I just hope we're a little bit better than what we had last year, you know, but you look at the transfers that came in, uh, Joseph Charleston, uh, Landry, Jernigan's, uh, Williams, Hopper, both Hoppers, like defense was the unit that had us in games. And, uh, they're the reason we're six and six and really should be a hell of a lot better than six and six. So, uh, your team's going to change drastically. It's not—we're one or two years away now, and and that's that's why these coaches' leashes are even going to get shorter because you can instantly turn around a program in in a year, or you can get so freaking far behind uh, that it, you know, regardless of the coach's buyout or or whatnot, uh, I don't think universities and, and fans the the people with the money that are paying the bill are going to accept mediocre or less than mediocre years. Like you already saw at Texas A&M, the offensive coordinator got fired this year. Yeah. Uh, And and so, you know, they're definitely putting the pressure on Jimbo. And, hey, I guarantee you if he has a year like – even if he's 500 next year, I'm willing to bet if they don't get to eight wins next year, Jimbo's probably out at A&M.
1: Yeah. I'll say Uh, one thing that I think plays in our favor and what we're, you know, what we're seeing is this, this kind of shift in college football. Um, We do have a coach that that can recruit and find talent. Um, Like you mentioned, all the, all the players that were brought in on defense and whether that was just strictly Drinkwitz or Baker or a combination of both, um, you know, you mentioned the short leash. I I think that's something that lengthens drink leash because you know, he can find that talent um, yep. and, and pursue that talent. Now, whether or not these kids end up choosing a zoo, that's you know, different story. But you know, drinks find a talent, get them, you know, get them on visits and 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 you know, go into their homes and recruit and talk to the parents and, and all that good. That is that is one thing that kind of plays in his favor is is being a good recruiter.
0: So They're- Oops. Sorry, go ahead. Go oh, go ahead, Case.
2: Um, I just want to piggyback on this a little bit. What he's saying. Uh, my f- another thing, because like I think we do, do good recruiting, and Baker's done a great job, and Drink's done a good job. But I've also heard um an nil front on this that uh, Sam Horn and Luther make up pretty much all of our nil deals, and that there just really isn't enough money in the Mizzou uh booster base, I guess, to pay for all these players. Um. Do you think that's going to be a problem for us going forward?
0: I don't. I don't. It, it may be hard to retain some talent like Lovett. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, there, there's going to be over a thousand names on the transport portal. Uh, you're going to have guys coming from complete lower levels, uh, Group Five, Division Two, even Division Three. You know, you look at Kiki Chisholm where we got him out of some small school in Texas and he turned into a a very big contributor for us. But uh, those guys are going to be looking for opportunities to play in the SEC. And so we can still find the talent without having the money to offer. It just may not be as proven as talent as what we would like. But uh, at the same time, too, uh, you know what's made college football so great to me all these years is you have these kids trying to get to the next level, and so when when they start getting these bank accounts, you know when when Lovett goes to his new school, or if Mizzou can find enough money to keep him, uh, does he still have that same motivation and drive? You know, and, and that's what you have to ask yourself because. At the end of the day, they're still nineteen, twenty, twenty-one year old kids with hundreds of thousands of dollars at their disposal, and how easily influenced are they, uh, and how easily distracted are they to get them away from the football field and working at their craft?
1: Mm-hmm. I think that so, I think that one thing that is going to and. I think one, now that we're seeing our our facilities you know the south end zone project the the indoor facilities almost complete or should be complete by the time they start fall camp um and maybe even summer ball this year um I think now that we're seeing facilities become more complete as far just speaking strictly football um I don't know maybe we see more more booster dollars get contributed now that our like i said facilities are becoming elite um the boosters are wanting to support and, and liking what they're seeing um, they can you know maybe be persuaded to take some of that funds and some of those dollars and put them towards NIL opportunities to help us retain and and build the roster um, you know once they've been recruited
2: yeah you sure hope so uh, I would love to see these more of these businesses kind of pop up and do stuff like the Luther chip idea too like I, I really love that and How uh, did not
0: love that tweet from him on him oh, saying he's right. playing with a chip on his shoulder that. and and he's a Mizzou for life,
2: dude? I needed that right then, <laughs>
0: yes, <laughs> I was dude, dressing, stressing. And, and, and one thing to remember in this is not every player that insert, enters the transport portal does it at their own will. Coaches can tell them, uh, you know, they can't force them out, but they can tell them. It's probably in your best interest to transfer. Yeah, uh, and and so not not all of them, you know. It's not always money based. You have guys like probably Tyler Macon. He's looking for a chance to see the field. It's obviously not going to be at Mizzou. Uh, yeah, and I can't, you know, just going off the that. last two years. He feels he has the talent and the skill to to play college football and. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of Mizzou fans watching where he goes and seeing what he does. And uh, it's probably not going to be fair to Brady Cook, but we're going to be comparing what Macon does to what we got out of Cook just off of this year alone.
1: For sure. Yeah. And I mean, even even that, the other thing that kind of um, starts to pique my interest is okay, you know, so we Cook, Horn, Abraham, and Macon. Macon and Abraham are gone. So now it's Horn and Cook that are at least on scholarship.
0: Of course, Tommy Walk.
1: Well, I don't know if he's on scholarship or not. He may just be a walk. <laughs> um, yeah. But so then, of course, we got Jabari Johnson coming in in the offseason. So, do we see start, Drink start to, you know, pursue another uh, another quarterback in, in the transfer portal in the offseason? That's one thing that kind of we're going to run it forward. You know, is it going to be three deep um, and use that scholarship elsewhere? Just lots of questions. Definitely.
0: Yeah, it, it, if you feel this is just isolated to Mizzou next week, get on your Twitter and go to NCAA transfer portal account and look at the names pop up. It's going to be Alabama. It's going to be Tennessee. They're all going to fight this. Yeah, they will. You know, it, yeah, it's it's not just Mizzou. I uh,
2: I talk too much. Or I talk too much about Arkansas on social media. Now my social media is like recommending Arkansas pages to me, and um. Almost all the articles are like the thinning continues. More players leave. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they are just as concerned as we are. Uh, but what it does say is that it, uh, it, the middle class has gotten further away from the upper class in college football, specifically the SEC. So um, I think schools like Tennessee may have made that jump with uh, their season this year and like you know and their booster base. But schools like us in Arkansas, which I know they hate when we say we're the same, but they are right there in the same card as us. Um, it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard for us to uh, to get past get, get to the upper level now because until this gets some kind of contract or some kind of regulation, they're gonna we're gonna continue to be farm teams for like the Alabamas and the uh, Clemson's and the schools
1: like that. It's gonna, it's gonna be wild.
0: You're also going to get the four- and five-star recruits that didn't get to see the field at Alabama enter the name in the transport portal, and they may want to come to Mizzou just to prove Nick Saban they can play SEC football and start. And,
2: I feel you know, we haven't so, seen a ton of that, but I, I'm hoping for that as well. I'm hoping for those talented guys to get backed up between, like, you know, left tackle, it's backed up between another five-star left tackle. You know,
0: yeah, I really there, hope- There's a quarterback out of Texas already entered his name in, and he was top 40 recruit. Uh, coming out of high school two years ago, I believe his last name's Cook. Yeah, I may have that wrong, but uh, you know well, you the got to the, do uh, what? the
1: the announcers were talking about it in the Mizzou Arkansas game. That forty-two number forty-two linebacker um, that Sanders. transferred from yeah Sanders from Alabama to Arkansas because he was wanting to play out. They were wanting him to play outside linebacker, and he wanted to play inside. And yeah. obviously, he was doing a very good job playing um, you know middle linebacker. For uh for Arkansas, not good enough, of course, but um, you know, he was clearly good enough to start for, for Arkansas. So yeah, it's same thing with Hopper for us. Um I don't know. It's just gonna be it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a fun off season.
0: Let let's roll into outdoors. Uh before we turn it over, do we do we want to start off with our sponsored professional hunter or do we wanna start off with the two uh you know guys that do it for fun
2: i'll give you i'll give you what i did in this past real quick uh did a lot of thanksgiving stuff didn't get out much on sunday i hung two tree stands that's it for me
0: (laughs) good deal well i i went out to move my stand this week find a find another spot because i had the other hunters move in on me Mm -hmm. got it all set up found a big open draw that had some real big lanes in it and uh Got set up there Sunday, went out for a, a midday and ended up deciding to stay all day because it, it the wind was just getting right and the temperature was dropping. I'm like, they're going to be moving this evening. I'm not coming out of here. So did you see anything? Can you all still hear me? Oh, yeah. Got you. Okay. Uh, my microphone. Died. But I was sitting out there and about three o'clock. There were two dirt bikes and a four wheeler, and they were just ripping and running. I listened to it for about fifteen minutes, and they were staying close enough I could hear them talk. I said, "I'm not doing this," so I left and went to my climbing stand just to look for activity, and decided to sit down at the bottom of the tree, not even get in the stand, and had five doe come out, and I was, you know, when it's rut, it's hard to go in and shoot a doe because you're hoping the buck's going to step out. So I didn't take a shot and they went on their way and that was my hunt.
1: Hmm. Well, I mean, at least you're seeing something, you know what I mean? My thing is if I go out and I at least see something and get something within range, it's, it's successful for me. Um, It's a successful sit and I'm at least learning something. And yeah, I mean, you just, they might not have been hot yet. So.
2: I'll tell you what, Cole, if that's the logic that I've learned a lot this season. (laughs) it. <laughs> it's it's
1: it's that for me and it's having fun like i do we do not get paid to do this we do mm-hmm. not have our own tv show or youtube channel or you know not it, you know. merchandise store well yeah not yet maybe one of these days but yeah it's for me man it's about going out and having fun it really is i just I have a blast doing it and even if I'm getting ready to climb down at the end of that, I'm like, well, you know, I saw two spikes and, you know, three or four does. That's good enough for me.
2: No, I so. agree. A, a good day. Any day out there is a good day, I say. Um, and, you know, you do learn a lot. And me and this whole bow thing has been, this is the first year I've taken it really seriously. Like, I, I think I went out a few times and sat with my old bow, but never really saw anything. It was always rifle right where I made, you know, my, uh, my harvest. So, It is. It's. I. I have messed up a lot of times this year, but I'm learning a lot, and it must. I must be enjoying it because even every time I mess up the next weekend, I can't wait to get back out there and try it again. That's exactly
0: right. My first three years with bow, I never even got a kill. I shot under, uh, had a bow explode on me. So, oh, uh, yeah, find cheap bows there, buddy. Uh, That's what you get when you buy them at pawn stores but, uh, man, when you stick with it and you finally get that first one, it's like, you can't, you can't describe, I can't describe that feeling. Uh, and it, it got me hooked for life. And I don't even worry about taking the gun out anymore. I have no interest in it. Yep. I'm the same way. I haven't touched. I think I told y'all that I haven't touched my rifle since.
1: Well, I take that back. I went out in 2019 with an open sight, 375 my dad gave me when I turned 18 and uh, shot at a doe across a draw with open sights at like 100 yards, which was very – it was irresponsible for me to do that. But in the moment, I was like, you know what, let me give it a shot and missed. But other than that, I haven't touched my
0: rifle since 2014. It's been all bow. So, But, well, Cole, before but yeah. you enter your story, do you want to guess uh, the, the state released the number – of deer reported, and I don't have the exact number in front of me right now, but I remember the ballpark of it. Do you want to guess at how many uh, deer were killed in Missouri with rifles this year?
1: No, because I was like off by like 78,000
0: <laughs> <laughs> for opening weekend. So I don't know, 200,000? It was 197 and some change. Okay. So it's pretty close actually. And majority of them, bucks. Uh, on there it was i was surprised at how much how many more bucks there were than than those uh i guess they have enough biologists out there that they know what they're doing on allowing that many bucks to be killed but well uh, do they i i sometimes think we
2: should do something about that maybe out of state tags differently or something
1: no. oh dude we can get we can get to a whole that can be a whole separate podcast after the season because I have some very strong opinions on that. But uh, yeah, there's some things I don't like the way we do with the state. Long story short, I think it needs to be, we need to be a draw state, plain and simple, at least during yeah. our rifle season.
2: Uh, yeah, I don't think we should for bow. Yeah. But I think for rifle, absolutely.
0: For but yeah. Cole, since you, you had to uh, jump off early last week, do you want to go ahead and and tell us if you have the time now? Uh I you completed your your hunting season, correct? Not just buck tags, but your whole hunting season. Oh, no, brother. You sound like my wife. No, sir. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but you're yes and no. Yes, I'm out of buck tags. I'm tagged out on bucks. Um, boys, it was crazy. Um, I went out. It was last... No, Thursday before last, so almost two weeks ago. Um, rifle season went out to a spot that I'd been, um, I'd actually taken the doe out of that stand earlier in the year and hadn't been back since. So I had plenty of time to, to cool off, um, to kind of break it down to you. The property is maybe 20% ag, 20% um, cedar thicket, and the rest open oak timber. Timber draws in between two pastures. So great um, midday red activity. Uh, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to drop my daughter off to school, run home, grab my tea, get my stuff for work later that evening. Um, and I actually had a, uh, um, for my job, I have to do a yearly uh, flight physical. And I had that scheduled for later that afternoon before going into work. I was like, I'll just go and sit if there's something really good. Um, and I'll go ahead and take a crack at it. Took the bow. And uh, yeah, climbed up in the stand. So I'm walking in, and uh, as I'm walking in, I bump a spike. He didn't blow or anything; he just kind of trotted off. So I get to my stand, and I'm doing one final scan, like I always do before I uh, before I start climbing up. And I look, and there's a buck standing about 120 yards away, looking right. Well. Me walk all the way into the woods and he didn't spook. So I'm gonna go ahead and tie this bow onto the little rope and climb up, get strapped in, and get set up. And if he spooks, he spooks like you know, no big deal. And so I did, I get all the way up in the tree, I screw my bow hanger into the tree. I'm hunting on private property, um, and pull my bow up, get it in there, get an arrow knocked, and he's still just standing there staring at me. I'm like, okay, well. I'm in here now. And he wasn't wouldn't, anything he wouldn't I was going to shoot, especially for my second buck tag. Um, but then he just kind of flicks his tail and slowly works off. So at this point, it's probably 10 o'clock. Um, I'm just kind of letting things settle. And it hadn't been five minutes, and I catch movement on the opposite ridge, which is about... Mm, I'd say 80 yards, 80 yards away through, through a bunch of, wind. it's mostly flat and, uh, he's upwind to me. So I know my wind's good little guy, little eight point through. And I thought about grunting at him just to see if I could get him a little closer and kind of take his temperature. Like, no, I'll let him go. And then I catch a couple of minutes after that. Okay. They must be, on like a hot dose trail or something like that, because very rarely do you see two bucks very close like that in the rut. At least I don't, um, you know, falling that like close to each other. And uh, I put the binos on him and he had a good, good, you know, good enough rack that I was going to take him. And so I don't, I'm going to pause here. Do either of y'all call very much during the rut? A little bit of rattle, but not much.
0: Occasionally grunt. And snort wheeze. Okay.
1: Okay. So all three of those played into this. So I put the binos on. I'm like, all right, if I can get him close, I'm going to take him. Because um, he had real, real long, probably 10-inch long G2s. And uh, not real long beams, but they came in real close together. And I thought he was a picture of a buck that I had earlier in the season um, that was, was great. And to use a term of a buddy of mine, I got catfished on this buck. But that's okay. And so, he's walking the ridge, and I grunt at him, and he stops and looks, flicks his tail, keeps walking, grunt at him again, stops, looks, flicks his tail, I'm like, okay, let's try rattling. So, I grab my rattling antlers, turn away from him, rattle a little bit, and I'm kind of looking over as I'm rattling, and he stops and looks, and I'm thinking, okay, he's getting ready to, you know, come in here. And he just flicks his tail and keeps on moving, and I'm thinking, okay… I guess I need to snort wheeze this buck to see, you know, because clearly he knows there's some other bucks in the area, so that may um, that may kind of trip his trigger to where he wants to come in and either fight or investigate who the heck's making all this noise. So I did snort wheeze loud at him, or, you know, fairly loud at him, and he stops and takes one step, but then flicks his tail and, and keeps on trucking, and I cut my hands, look right at at the loudest and longest snort wheeze I could possibly do, and he stops, looks at me again. So he's looked at me, not at me, but in my direction, like six times. And so clearly, he he thinks something's over here that he needs to check out. But it's he needs to make his mind up. And I'll be darned. The dude turns his head, flicks his tail, takes two steps, and it's like it's like he said. I'm not going to let whoever this is talk all this crap to me. He turns and sprinting in, ears pinned back, sprinting in from about 120 yards out. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is getting ready to happen. So I grab my bow off the the bow hanger, and I'm reaching. I wear a chest rig, and I'm reaching for my uh, my range finder. At this point, he's like 50 yards. I'm like, well, and he didn't have any intention on stopping. I'm like, well, I don't need that because he's going to be here in my lap before I know it. And so he crosses this dry uh, creek. And after he crossed the dry creek, he's within 15 yards. And he moves, you know, through. I'm set up in a split white oak. And he moves through the one tree that I have in between him and I. And I turn in the stand and I look and I'm thinking, okay, he's right here, maybe 10 yards. Gone him, bleed at him. And uh, he stops on a dime and is look, looking around. I settle the pin, squeeze off, boom, loud pop, big old And And uh, he goes wheeling out, jumps back across that dry creek bed. The same path that that doe I'd shot out of that stand uh, earlier in the year had run. And so I'm watching him, putting the binos on him, and he disappears over this ridge. And the same ridge that he was walking down on when I first saw him. And then it goes completely silent. And I'm thinking, okay, he either stopped, slowed down to a walk, and is just slow. Because the wind was moving pretty good, probably 10, 15 mile an hour that day. And never heard that crash. And so I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, man, here it is. It's 1030. I've been in the stand 20 minutes at this point. And uh, I'm thinking, okay, I got this appointment later in the day. Let me just kind of sit there and, and let things calm down. I'll give it 30, 40 minutes. That'll give me enough time to, if he is down, you know, recover him, field dress, and put him in the truck and (laughs) go to the doctor's office. And uh, it wasn't four minutes after that buck moved through, that same little eight-pointer that had moved through earlier comes back through and is wondering what the heck all that ruckus was. And he's looking around, and I see him look back. Buck had disappeared, and he's pinning his I'm thinking crap man, that buck is still alive, like he's he's sitting there and he's thinking he wants to fight him or something like that, or I didn't hit him good enough to where he's gonna he's gonna actually try and fight him, which would have been cool, you know what I mean I, I'm, I don't know about you guys, but I've never seen a buck fight live from the uh, from the tree stand before I've heard one, but haven't seen one and I'll I've be darn played. yeah, and so I'll be darn a third buck. I walking over this ridge, probably, I don't know, probably two-and-a-half-year-old ten-pointer, and these two are just back and bristling up together, and it was kind of nice to have that, to be able to watch, you know, just take place, but also past the time, because I'm thinking, all of course, all the things are going through my mind at this point, I'm thinking, did I make a bad shot, did I hit too high, it was 12 yards, I'm 15 feet up in the tree, did I you know, take the correct angle. Um, And so they kind of get out of sight, but I can see that they're looking at something. I'm thinking, okay, did that buck bed down? Well, then they just eventually work off. Um, They'd kind of move towards me and then back through this little pasture towards a cedar cut. And uh, I look down and the tree that was on the opposite side, on the exit shot side of my buck, had my arrow in it. So this arrow passed through the deer and stuck into the tree, into the trunk of the tree. So I put my binos on it, and there's blood spatter all over the tree. My, my arrow's covered in blood. I'm thinking, okay, I can go ahead and climb down, at least look at this, and start taking up the blood trail. Um, initial blood trail wasn't very good. Um, and it typically isn't with the broadheads I shoot, but they are super sharp and they're very heavy duty. I mean, this one passed through the deer and went into a tree, no problem. Um, blood starts to pick up, and I saw him cross the ridge. I crossed that, cross that very same ridge, and both boatman right. is laying in the creek. So he didn't go hmm. 80 yards, 60, 80 yards. So that's awesome. That's uh, that's awesome, man. That's buck number two, man. It's been it's it's the best season I've ever had. I've killed five deer with a bow this year, and it's absolutely the best season I've ever had.
0: It's incredible. But not not to want to up you, but I did see an article today. Uh somebody out in Virginia got an eight point doe. Oh, huh. that's awesome. That uh, is awesome.
1: I've heard that before. Those um whatever kind of gen- genetic mutations or whatever that caused yeah. those. Do- was was she in velvet?
0: No, she was not in velvet. She had a no heart ha- antlers on her, yeah. Oh my gosh. That's insane. Oh. That is insane. I'd like to get
1: the, the Min Missouri deer biologist after the season ties down to kind of talk about that. I'd like to get them on to find out what what the heck makes that happen.
0: i in Arkansas, we have buck, button buck, and doe tags. Y'all have antlered and non antlered deer, correct? Yep. Yep. So if you shoot <clears throat> her, that would count as one of your buck tags. It sure would. It would. Yeah.
1: But it also, so when you go, at least when you go online to, I use my tags through the mo hunting app, the MDC hunting app. Me too. Um, once you select, you know antler deer, it'll ask you antler doe or you know mm-hmm. antler buck, and then it'll ask you how many really? points. And okay, yeah. okay, that,
0: okay. So that I, I think that's I'm, I'm I'm all record keeping, but yeah, yeah, it must be. I'm very happy for you, Cole. I'm also very jealous. I talk a lot of crap <laughs> to you about it. But you
1: do. A, you're. you're I'm a
0: witch. You were saying
1: in our gum group, group chat, you were like, all right, that's enough bragging. I'm like, man, I'm not trying to brag. I'm just trying to show you boys that I got it done.
0: We're not even friends anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I guess I'll just sign off then, I reckon. Case, are you going to be getting out for uh, black powder at all?
2: I'm probably uh, – My actually, it's funny you say that. So my uh, my stepdad's a big black powder guy, and uh, on that family property I have, um, he wanted to put in a stand-up because he's really, he's really just now starting the season. Um, and uh, we put a we put a stand up for him, and uh, we we cut a bunch of trees out in a shooting lane for him. So I might sit in that stand. I'm gonna do bow. I'm not gonna do black powder. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, got two new stands out there. I'm pretty excited for both. Uh, one one is actually on a different fan member of mine who has the property. Someone else put a stand up there, and then my uh my fan member caught him. And I was like, well, you're not hunting here. You know, you have no you know a permission. And so the stand is just still there. So I went up and changed some straps out and put a safety attached at to the top of it. So I'm gonna try that one out. It's in yeah, a good spot. Of course, the stand just sat there brand new, unused for, for a minute. So
0: sweet.
2: Yeah. Is uh, it near any
0: food? It is near water, not food.
2: Okay.
0: Near creek. That pile of corn he put out last week. <laughs> yeah, so there's no food there for that. Right.
2: <laughs> uh, no, we'll, we'll see. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about um, the understanding. put up. Uh, it's it's down a really, really popular, a really, really highly traveled deer trail. In fact, during rifle when I was out there, all the does I saw go through, they were using uh, a trail kind of around there. So it's not on it, but it, it is close to it. Uh, I think it's hidden well and we cut some good lanes through there. So I'm excited for that as well. More yeah. spots, the better. That's exactly
1: right,
0: man. That's exactly right. Well, fellas, I appreciate you staying up late with me tonight and getting this recorded to get out to our listeners. And, uh, you know, next week we don't have a football game to preview. Uh, the basketball game ain't, ain't really one to talk about. Uh, no no reason we shouldn't be undefeated on the on the next podcast, but We'll have a ball game to talk about. We'll have some more names in the transport portal to talk about probably. Uh, Maybe from other schools that, you know, some players might might catch our attention for us to talk about. But uh, that's all I have for this one. If you all have anything else, feel free to jump in now. Sounds good to me, buddy. That's good. I'm just looking forward to where we're going bowling. Mm -hmm. That's it. Well, for Case and Cole, this is Skeeter. Uh, We appreciate you all – Jumping on this time for the Woods Water Mizzou podcast. And as always, M I Z Z
1: O U. Go Tigers. Y'all take care.